Today's episode is sponsored by The Notionaries. Head over to thenotionaries.com and check out their latest singles, Bandit and Excited Eyes. You are now entering the Bad Christian Podcast. What's up, all you Atlanta assholes? My name is Pearson, and I'm doing the intro tonight. Welcome to the Bad Christian Podcast, live in Atlanta, Georgia. We're home of the designing women, Andre 3000, <laughs> big boy, and the 1995 world champion, Atlanta Braves. We have a great show tonight. We have some magic from Matt and Toby, and we will be taking audience questions, so prepare your questions now on topics you'd like to hear and stuff we said that you think is messed up. <laughs> Thank you to all the BC Club for supporting this event. And now it's time for a depressed pastor and two screamo legends. It's the Bad Christian Podcast. Woo! Yeah! Oh, yo, can I get a three? Two! Yo, I said a three. Oh, sorry. <laughs> he said, can he get a three? Three! Can he get a... What? What's next? A two, dog. Two! Can I get a one? Man, are you guys excited to be here tonight? It's Friday in Hotlanta. Yeah, we're at, this is a great crowd. We've been we've been on we've been doing this thing for a few nights. This is the third night in a row, and the farther along we get, we're worried we're out of material because all we do is talk about the stuff that's been happening to us in between. So we got very little script tonight. So what we want to do is talk to you guys. We're gonna hear some questions from you guys. What Pearson said. Thank you for doing the intro there. Um, what we could it use, was awesome. Can I talk about his intro? Yeah, let's talk about it. Pearson's intro. It was really intro funny because he was reading your writing. And I think he said we're gonna have some magic. Yeah. From <laughs> <laughs> does anybody have any does anybody have any idea how the typo that it could have been? It, it wasn't was, magic. What could it have been? Music. It could have been music. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> but good try there. So yeah. Almost. Um we we could really take any questions you guys have, but the more specific the better. So we thought we'd throw it out there that we could talk about stuff, topics that you you guys write in or always wanted to hear us address that we always avoid. That'd be fine. And also if you have any questions uh or if you have any comments about stuff that you've heard us say that you think is messed up on the previous shows, and we'd be glad to talk about that, too. We could do that here in person instead of online through the comments. You guys have a live forum for comments, so be thinking about that a little bit. Hey, real uh, quick, I just want to welcome the uh, BC Club folks that are watching online. Why don't y'all say what's up to them, because they're watching right now. I wish I could turn the camera. Um, hey, I, I've got a question for y'all just to kick things right off. I got an email, um, was over at this coffee shop back here, and there's a lady that uh, she... she she was kind, you know, she was friendly, but she emailed us and is, is pretty upset with us for releasing the lineup without um, letting people know that one of the bands uses the F word. Her rationale, uh, basically hey, along the line, what band did the F word? Uh, Asila. Asila. Yeah. And uh, so her, her thing was, hey, she's okay with the F word uh, personally. But she was listening to this compilation in front of her kid, mm-hmm. and she should be able to know. She called something like, we're reputable. Like, when I'm listening to music from reputable <laughs> guys like that, so that's her <laughs> mistake number one. But what do y'all think? I mean, should, do you think she has a legitimate beef 
it, just from the standpoint of us writing explicit on it so she knows. I mean, my thing is the band is like screamo. I don't think her kid picked I think it was like a three-year-old kid. I don't think the kid picked up on, yes, <laughs> Yeah, do you know what the line was? I'm not familiar with all the lyrics, but that maybe I would say I'd like to know the context of the F word there. Yeah. Personally. Yeah, so did she write F word or did she write fuck? I, I think F word. Yeah. Because so she, well, I so mean, she's not totally cool with it, obviously, <laughs> right? I mean, just just not. But what uh, if I, the lyric was something really positive with the f word in it, like, yeah. like Jesus is fucking yeah, like, Lord? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah or like yeah. the f word is so fucking bad, don't say it. Yeah, yeah. fuck Satan in that. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I'm, I, I stopped my own self with that one. Yeah, you that's, want to bleep the ass? I, yeah, I, I, the word ass. Yeah, I'll say fuck, but no ass is just too far for you guys. Well, I mean, it was Satan's be, ass. Satan's was, ass is really messed does up. Does Satan have an ass? Yeah, he does. It's it's very stinky. Yeah, very stinky. But yeah, I mean, so what do y'all think? I mean, the explicit lyric should we put it out on there? I mean, we we did some warnings on the uh, on the podcast description. You can. I, I mean, I don't. Why wouldn't if if uh, any parent maybe just review music before you let somebody hear it? Just yeah. no matter what. I mean, I would you know uh, it, it might be Celine Dion. Just review it. It just doesn't. But in all fairness, if the the bubble guppies drop the f bomb on Ruby <laughs> in the middle of the afternoon, if, yeah. if you're watching Baby Genius or the what what, right. is, what does Ruby watch? Team Umizoomi. Team Umizoomi. What yeah. else? Ruby's big into Dexter, right? Yeah, yeah. She, she loves Game of Thrones. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So no, but I mean, nobody's ever confused Bad Christian with the Bubble Guppies. You know, I don't think you were thinking this is going to be really awesome. And I'm gonna. I mean, I don't. I I understand she's just mad, so I'm glad that she can write. I, us I mean, and honestly, say that. I have to stick up for her. There's not, maybe I'm overdoing it. There's a really not a lot of anger. I mean. She says, she was just asking for I'll be warning. honest with you guys, I've heard that word before, and when I'm prepared for it and can choose whether or not I want to listen to it, I'm fine with it. For example, I'm a Dexter fan. Do I watch Dexter when my toddler's in the room? Absolutely not. I listened to the lineup while my child was in the room because I know it came from a reputable source that I trusted. See, the thing for me about it would be, I think she should... She trusted Toby Morrell. She should review it, but, but my point would be, the, the cuss word it would be a mute point if i mean the content might be way worse i mean there's tons of music that is way worse for you to listen to that doesn't have the f word in it you know yeah. what i mean like it, 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 you, you should look at the broader picture rather than just the word but i'm glad she feels confident enough and safe enough to write us and that we can make fun of her in front of like thousands and thousands of people we didn't make but, fun of her no, well you know what i mean we kind of <laughs> can you give her email address out <laughs> yeah, or anything? sure it is uh sandra dot <laughs> <laughs> Well, I tell you what, it makes me really realize and, and think and appreciate is we, this is the third night we've been doing this so far, and the crowds that have been here and the places we've been, I just think it's incredible how free we feel to say what we yeah. want to say because we've been doing this podcast a long time for all, uh, about a year now, and we've been doing it in you know my closet and Toby's garage and Joey's uh, office to his to, at his church, and so we don't have any visual for who is listening. We don't know who you are. We have no idea who's listening, and except for the the squeaky wheel, noisy people that leave comments that are that are weird. So it's hard to tell who you guys really are. But now that we we did some shows earlier, and especially at this point doing these shows, and we see who you guys are, you guys are actually just like us. And being in front of you and getting to meet you, we feel even more comfortable. I think we've already said the f word more on this episode so far than we have on any episode. Ever and yeah. that's that's because of you guys. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> we need a T-shirt that yeah. says "I support the F word, bad Christian." <laughs> well, it's funny because two things I notice is 
after these three shows that you guys are old. You're older you're than we thought old, you were. You really are. And you love filthy, nasty, disgusting humor. And I appreciate that. Yeah, so that's absolutely that's true. Just old, dirty, sick people I mean, come to this the really, Christian podcast show. This really is a different demographic from the what you would say is the typical Emory fan. Oh, yeah, Which is the sure. thing that's the most amazing. And maybe some of you guys grew up with us. Some of you probably started listening to Emory when you were a really awkward teenager. And but now you guys are a bit older and you've got cool flannel shirts. You you got awesome fashion sense and the yep. beers that you bring to the show are you know actually credible good IPAs and stuff like that. You guys are grown ups and you're our fans still, which we've never had grown up fans for anything we've ever done before. So we appreciate that. I'm really thrilled about what we see that our audience really is. Yeah, I think it's encouraging to me for sure. Just it, well, here's the thing. I think that I have a really Low bar sense of humor, and I'm glad that older <laughs> people can laugh at it a little bit, for sure. Because, I mean, if it's just – if you guys are all, like, 14-year-old Emory fans, it would feel way more uncomfortable to be here tonight, for sure. <laughs> that would not be as fun at all. So one thing I did want to talk about is – I mean, we've been talking about Joey's health a lot. And I yeah. Hey, they, I just want to say, too, uh, if it wasn't for my bad health, we would have no conversation no material. this week. Yeah, so well, that, sure. hey, well, let me let me – Start here because that's why so y'all don't even know this. So, uh, so Joey has just been like his body has just betrayed him on this podcast tour. <laughs> so the people is, that have been yeah. listening to the sh- to these yeah. episodes before, I've heard the last couple of weeks, right from right. what we've been talking about, Joey. But to you, the live audience, this is new. So right. really quick, fill them in on so what's this is going on with Joey. If still, I come across cold on. to any of you guys, I do apologize. It's still it's going on. Up. And I mean, Joey, you can even, do you want to tell everybody what you're going through? All, all it's almost, list? it just sounds jokey. Like I got to a point with these guys where I was just like, I just feel so high maintenance to even talk about it. So basically I've had a combination of severe depression, severe kidney stone pain, and severe abdominal aching and diarrhea and nausea for the last three days. So. I mean, the only time we basically talk to Joey is right now. He's, <laughs> otherwise, he's just completely asleep. Right. We've been, the, somebody asked I want to publicly thank y'all. Y'all have been taking care of me. I mean, Priscilla, my wife, thought it was real. I heard her laughing on the phone with Toby because she just could not believe how... Um, What's the word I'm looking for? Coddling and just really well. I mean, nurturing. I'm, I, we're I'm worried about you. I, the host asked something about Joey. Said he didn't look good. He didn't talk. What, what's going on with Joey? And I said I wouldn't know. The only time I've talked to him this week is during the show yeah. because Joe. <laughs> and that's true. Joey's been laying in our van with his hands on his eyeballs, not talking, almost not engaging whatsoever for. You know, 20, I was high 23 last hours a day. Just to get through it, I got high on I, my doctor prescribed uh, pain pills for kidney stones because uh, truth is I've got a huge kidney stone lodged right here in my left kidney. I, I was supposed to get surgery on it Tuesday. So funny you know, thing, I had to tell the doctor, well, I'm in this podcast called Bad Christian. That's why I can't uh, travel. So I got to get that sucker blasted Tuesday. So I had pain medication on me. And last night, I mean, I, I literally was high. Yeah. You guys said something about how... Uh, Matt, the big science guy, and just uh, you know how hydrocodone is that what it is? It's Hydrocodones, which yeah, you're it's on, right? very unhealthy. You mentioned maybe marijuana being a different alternative or something like. We had a conversation about that, and just you were weighing the pros and cons, and yeah. Well, I mean, what I find interesting is that because Joey's on a ton of of drugs. I mean, his medicine thing is 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 hard to keep up with. He's on he he takes antidepressants and he's on a new one and we think that might be what's causing his nausea and diarrhea and some of the other stuff. But two days ago he said this is 
the work. This is the lowest I've ever been as far as one of the lowest. One of the lowest he's ever been, and he just started a new antidepressant. So now the hydrocodone is an opiate. So that's what that, and that's a really dangerous. It's drug. Like heroin, right? It, yeah, it's a similar. It's it's a all the opiates in that family are the kind of things that people get totally addicted to and and abuse. I might as well just use heroin. It's, it's really similar. It's actually okay. just a controlled form of that. Does anybody have any heroin? Yeah, so maybe anybody has any So that one's that's a really crazy, that is a really, really crazy drug. And then the ones that blow our mind, for me and Toby knowing him, and even Toby's wife being around him, that are really unstable, are he also takes these different antidepressants, which are SSRIs. So they're uh, selective serotonin reuptake inhibitors, and they're designed to keep more serotonin bouncing around in Joey's head. And uh, those... Those things don't work for you because you take them all the time and you're still terrible. Yeah, but I explain. I explain. so I don't get it. I explain. No, they that do to work. You guys. But he he missed. He did the wrong thing. They're actually diarrhea medicine. Yeah, you yeah. accidentally took right. yeah, yeah, diarrhea. Yeah. Right. So <laughs> what we notice about Joey is he's always having to change medications, and then all the bad stuff he's blaming not not blaming, but he's attributing a lot of his symptoms, even the ups and the downs and the physical stuff to. These really crazy brain chemicals, the SSRIs, which are extremely crazy. So here's the notion. Maybe you can help us out. We don't know. Maybe something like medicinal marijuana would be a a more reasonable thing for you to try. I don't know. I mean, I guess my big thing there is just, you know, the um, rationale behind antidepressants is for you to actually be in a good place permanently and for you not – it's not like, a, oh, I'm going to take it when I feel bad. You take it regularly, and it stops you from feeling bad kind of on a permanent and, – and the thing is, is what I explained to you guys is I did have a good four or five years where they mm-hmm. were working. You know, psychiatrists say they eventually start to put her out, and then you have to find a new medication. That's the season that I'm in right now. thing about marijuana is, uh, I mean, I, I'm – not sure all of the stuff that goes behind it, but it would seem like every time you smoke it, you get relief for that amount of time. Right. And then you get sad again. You have to smoke it again. Sad again. Smoke it again. And that- Okay, so well, have admittedly... You seen, have you ever seen Snoop Dogg sad? Yeah. <laughs> I have I seen Snoop Dogg what? <laughs> sad. Oh, gotcha. So, He's so never been sad. admittedly, Ever. we we don't or I don't have very much experience with THC and marijuana directly. Uh, Toby did, but when he was a lot younger. How about you guys? Do you guys, how many people here are familiar with or have used marijuana in their adult life? Here? Medically, of course. Medically, Medically I'm, I'm serious. God. Do we have people that are familiar with it? Maybe more than us. Everybody's raising their hand. <laughs> Somebody just raised the roof. Yeah. <laughs> They're like, hell yeah. Because I think it's a good question because it looks like states and pl- different territories are going to b- make it legal more and more and more. And I'm, I'm wondering, do you, do you think you should try it? And I'm wondering if anybody else out there thinks that actually would be a reasonable thing for you well, to try. Well, here's the thing. When we were talking about it today, obviously psychiatrists know more than the Bad Christian Podcast, I believe, I hope. You guys but, talked a lot of shit about me while y'all thought I was sleeping, by the that's way. That's true. So, uh, you know. We were trying to help you. Well, that's what I want to talk about, too. But what, what I'm saying is we were just saying things just because you can like what i mean just think about it i mean what people self-medicate all the time it doesn't matter i mean and to get your we we take all kinds of drugs daily to get ourselves in a different mood or a different state i mean well caffeine nicotine have you ever seen somebody without their coffee or something like that i mean they always i mean you take certain things and so we were just talking about the idea too of i mean marijuana you were just i was just always told it was bad and it was illegal and it's bad that so in my brain no matter what i don't think i'll ever be able to get rid of 
yeah, it's bad. Like it's just been drilled to me so much that it was always terrible, terrible, terrible. And so I do think like if there's a plant that you could light on fire and then it helped pain or change you from being uh, a certain way to a way that you can cope or feel better, that, that seems pretty awesome as opposed to a chemical that was made in this really crazy you know, lab that has all this stuff that really wrecks your system even to get it in your body. Yep. You know what I mean? Like, like, I mean, you took medicine that potentially caused nausea, unreal nausea, and uh, there's also sexual side were, effects and too. You were, sick, you were sick, but if you smoked, I mean, if you smoked a joint, you would suffer from the giggles. Uh, you know what I mean? You know what I mean? Like, I mean, I don't, I don't know how much diarrhea and nausea and stuff. I mean, comes I, from. honestly, from a very general perspective, I, I, I'm really open to marijuana not being a black and white issue. When it comes down to it, I don't see it as smoke it bad don't smoke it better like i i think that it's something that we really i mean because uh, take hydrocodone uh codone codeine hydrocodone right i mean uh, that definitely gave me a high of, of course uh, and, a, a more and, and a, it's and it's worse for your system so you know what about the coffee drinker that's just like i gotta have my coffee in the morning well how different is that from the marijuana smoker that says i have to have my joint in the morning now i think toby made a good point a long time ago is you don't often meet a pot smoker like a regular pot smoker who is that, a pastor of a, a church or no that's just not necessarily a, a, a deadbeat that doesn't do much with their life like that's something you've observed right do you remember saying that i'm just saying i have observed tons of people that smoke a lot of marijuana and that is their way out of life right, right. but but i do believe i think they're looking for that like i think if somebody is looking for a way to ease pain, or it's a, it's an amount, or, or you're like you test it. Okay, if I do this amount of marijuana, this happens. If I do this amount, that happens. I mean, same way as alcohol. I mean, I can easily drink too much alcohol tonight, do, and it, do it will you, wreck my system. Do you have? Do you, Toby, for instance, use alcohol as a self medication? Let's talk I, about that. Honestly, man, that's so funny. I, I, Jess and I were talking about that. Jess, my wife, were talking about that, and. We were having a conversation when we get home from work or a long day or the kids have been crazy. It feels like, honestly, a glass of wine or a beer is kind of like a self-medication. I mean, it really does. Like, I'm going to have a couple beers and then things will be better. Yeah, well, how about on tour? I mean, don't. I mean, don't we drink a, a bit before we go on stage oh, yeah, on yeah. purpose to, for an exact, direct, yeah, day, uh, intentional yeah. purpose? Like, day, yeah. oh, I haven't had any drinks. We've got to be on stage in 45 minutes. I better pa- try to pound two or three. Yeah, D- Dave, our drummer, said that he, he would feel... He would play worse and feel worse if he didn't have a couple of beers before yeah, he played. Yeah, absolutely. Just because of anxiety and being in front of people and all that stuff. I mean, I would feel worse here. Like Honestly, even like our live podcast and the Matt and Toby living room shows we have done, when there isn't alcohol, it does feel more uncomfortable. Everybody feels a little bit on, on edge or something. Like There's something about uh, a, a drug <laughs> that makes you feel better, making everybody feel a little bit more relaxed or something like that. Like If you can have a beer, it's like, oh, it's a little more relaxed. I can have a beer. I'll feel kind of good. Now, I'm not – obviously, drinking too much is wrong. Obviously, smoking too much weed or it becoming something bad. But, I mean, if you're saying you're going to take enough that it gets into your system – like you were telling us today, some, your, some of your medication – that you take it so regularly that if you miss it for a couple of days, it's still in your system. I'm like, wow, that's crazy. Like, if you smoke a joint, I know there's some residual stuff that could be tested, but you don't have the effects of it right. tomorrow. You know what I mean? I don't think. I mean, I could. How did you feel? Got some new skunk weed that I don't know about, but <laughs> yeah. How How did you feel listening to me? Because Toby and I really were today. I mean, we spent our whole ride from Nashville five hours talking about how can we help this poor son of a bitch that is. 
I mean, because his depression's debilitating, and he's on all he's on these medications. I promise you, we've not had any normal interactions with him all week. It's been long. pitiful. I mean, you're your completely betrayed you. I mean, I promise. It was it, it, real quick. On a side note, just an antidote. It's really funny because y'all don't know this. So today we woke we woke up this morning, and I went I went into Joey's bedroom. He slept in a different bedroom than us last night. I walked in there, and it smelled just like just the worst death. Like if if a turd could die, that's what it would smell like. I <laughs> yeah, promise. It was the worst. And I went in. Turd. I was like, I said, you know, you know, you walk in, you're like, hey, it's the morning, and you hit that wall of stinking. Oh God! Oh, uh, your eyes are watering. And I was like, and I had to go, Joey. Here. Joey, are you okay? I was trying to walk through the the pew, and he was like, man. He said, you know, I don't have many kidney stone pain, and I feel pretty good like with my depression, but I have unbelievable diarrhea. And I was like, oh, no. And then I started thinking, because my brain starts going to, oh, no, is he actually sick now? Because, I mean, his body is so shitty that he could easily get the flu on this tour, too, and then he's going to pass it to me, and it's just awful. It's, just, it's so bad. So literally, right before this show, I'm standing here, and I started feeling a little weird, and I was like, oh, no. Uh, oh, God, what if Joey is actually sick, and he gave it to me? And I was like, oh, crap. So I, I was like, I'm going to go walk out down the street. I'll get a, some crackers or something. And my stomach started hurting. And I was like, oh, I'm going to have to go to the bathroom. Went and went to the bathroom at Caribou Coffee. Because <laughs> I was like, I you had no. To get, you had to get said, a damn key? Yeah, get in that bathroom? No, but sure. I was like, there's no way I'm going into that living room and that tiny bathroom back there. If I have what Joey has, the show will be over. Everybody, it'll be like. Clear it out. <laughs> I know. Clear it Everybody out. will just start leaving, and it'll be really sad, and all of a sudden, they're not going to happen. So, good report here. Everything's okay. I'm back to normal. Everything's all right. But uh, I, I cannot believe, like, your body would do that much to you that, like, every single day is another symptom that's, like, anybody, a one, if you had that each symptom just one at one time, you'd be miserable. Well, I mean, it's, it's a little embarrassing, too, because I have met people where I've been pretty skeptical of them being just hypochondriacs and just like, come on, like someone that would be like, oh, I've had a bad day. I'm going to check myself into a mental hospital. I mean, we've, we've, Priscilla and I, we've known people that have just done things along those lines. Oh, I scratched my finger maybe, or just things like that. And, uh, I know you're thinking probably my wife and that's not who I'm thinking about right now. Um, but it's just like there's certain people that I'm like, eh, it's just great. Well, I'm uh, to other people. I'm one of those dudes where me personally, I know that no, I really have kidney stones. I don't think or you're a hypochondriac at all. I think you just have a really shitty body. Yeah, yeah. that's all. I yeah. mean, you need like you you need like balm on your skin more than anybody I've ever known. I mean, your skin gets dry. Uh-huh. Like your feet are really bad. You have to wear special shoes sometimes. I mean, just I mean, every there's nothing that's like really that good. Is there anything about your body that you like? Uh, my wife thinks it's pretty hot. <laughs> yeah. Well, what was it like hearing? Because Toby and I spent about four and a half hours trying to figure out what. Or is well, you guys did lie to me. Y'all what did does lie that me. mean if you're about Priscilla? If she thinks yeah, what's that the shittiest body in the whole world is hot. <laughs> Oh, because she's looking at the outside. Okay. No, she's like a, a death chaser. She wanted to marry a body that's going yeah. to be just morbid and awful. <laughs> what was it like hearing us talk? Because we spent all day talking yeah, well, about I, you with you in the room. I slept through most of it, but you guys did you, you guys did lie because I heard y'all say something about there's no way you could tell Joey that it's ultimately his fault that he has depression. And so then y'all started trailing off on other conversations, and I kind of started talking to y'all, and y'all specifically said, no, 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 we are not saying that it's your fault. We, and I was like, well, you guys are lying. 
Totally lying. Do y'all remember saying that? Well, we were talking about you, and we did understand that we could, you could hear us, but at the same time, we thought maybe you're asleep, so we were talking freely about you, and you were overhearing it. That's and prerogative. to me, I think that's really interesting, because it's, it's, it's like... It's like me and Toby talking honestly about you, but you actually get to hear it. And because when I talk to you, it's a, it's it's different, right? So I'm talking to Toby about you, and you got to overhear. It's almost it. like like uh, Joel, our old uh, bass player. This is a true story. Um, he was dating a younger girl, and because. Uh, Joel's old. He's an old dude. But uh, it was all, I guess it was all good legally and stuff like that. But anyway. Uh, it was borderline yeah, for sure. it was borderline. But it, it was, uh, he would have not gone to jail, I don't think. But, but uh, it, this is many oh, wow. years ago, many years ago. And I promise you, he was starting to just tire of her and they were just going to break up. And so we were like, Joel, we just asked him this question. Why are you still with her? And we, I mean, he, he said, uh, oh man, you know he said he said like just awful things. Like she is like not that smart. She's really dumb. He said she kind of smells in certain parts of, of of her body and stuff like this. And <laughs> oh she was just gosh. really awful. And, and there was another stand. girl that he yeah, liked. And he, said, too. and he said, man, there's this other girl that's just way better than her. And I just do not care about this girl at all. And then we were like, <laughs> when well, was that? How, I mean, oh, what man, year was it? Two thousand one or two? Yes, yeah, two thousand two, yeah. maybe. And. Uh, and he was just like going off, and I was even like, "Man, Joel's like really, he's got to break up with her." And we were just saying, "Dude, break up with her." We're saying all this stuff, and then uh, he was like, "Yeah, maybe I should." And he pulled his phone out, and I promise you, this is true. He had butt dialed her, and she had heard the entire conversation. <laughs> it, <laughs> he says he, he went, "Oh, our numbers are no, yeah, yeah." But it was the the craziest thing about it was the whole thing was left as a voicemail to her. Yeah. No, so she, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Oh my so, but, but he didn't know. Right. Yeah, you got that part that's, wrong because right. he didn't know that's it. Right. Like, he did it wrong, not yeah. notice it. All he know was the next day his yeah. girlfriend calls him going ballistic. He's that's like, right. what are you talking I, I mean, about? She said, that voicemail you left me last night. And he's like, what are you that's talking right. about? Right. Yeah. But there's but no he, way in her mind that he didn't do that on purpose. Right. There's no way. Yeah, no, you're right. And but, so but, he did it really bad. But, but he that, tried to apologize. But, but that's the interesting thing is uh, she, he, she actually got to hear, and I mean, it was obviously terrible, but she got to hear him talk about her in a purely true way where, she, like, she he didn't know she was listening, but she was listening. And so what a crazy, weird mind f of opportunity for somebody to hear your honest truth because if he were to have to tell her all those things there's no way he could say it to her face right so to me the big lesson there is it really gives me this idea and again i want some psychologist or therapist out there i want you to take this and run with it but i think that's brilliant like think about your in-laws or your mother or your significant other what if there was a way that they could hear your honest thoughts, but without engaging. Because you sit somebody down and you say, listen, I've got these really big problems with you. What's your name? Paul. Paul. Paul, you're, it's really messed up the way that you act. I can't stand the way you walk. But and so, I think you could be a way better guy, but you just need to treat people a little bit better. You're just too hard on people. And, you know, like if I, if that, if I was good friends with you and started saying, when you come in a room, you suck out all the energy because of all the stuff that's really messed up about you and you're so needy, Paul. If I started doing that to you, then you and we were good friends, you would immediately start defending yourself. And I would immediately start saying, like, I would totally alter the way I was talking to you and it would be a that's exactly right it would be a combative exchange but if i was telling toby about my friend paul like i i I really like paul you know but he just there's this 
habits that he has is really yeah. difficult to be around. And I love, I really like him, but I mean, it gets on my nerves so bad when he does this, 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 and this. If I had accidentally butt dialed you at that time, you could hear my honest thoughts in not a combative way. And I actually think it could be therapeutically valuable to you. So I would say. And I wouldn't be if I was being honest, and I did care about you, and you heard it. I could talk to Toby about you in a way that I would never be able to talk to you directly about. So I'm going to call that butt dial therapy, and I think it would be could be very valuable. Like if I could tell everything about my wife in a a real way to a therapist or a trusted friend about in how much I really care about her, but this, 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 and this, and she could hear it, that would take on a whole nother meaning than if I had to go straight to her and tell her what's messed up about you. And I think that's a unique opportunity. I actually think that could be really valuable. So I don't know a good and ethical way to set it up, but I think butt dial therapy could really be a way. It would make an awesome reality TV I show. I think it could really help Paul is really what <laughs> <Yeah>. I'm saying. <laughs> that would be really. Well, here's the thing. I think added to that would be if you could do it and you could capture the whole context of the of the because what you're you really want to yeah, know I mean, it, what yeah. people think about yeah, you? But if you yeah if i was asking you that and and also led you to, to say hey so what do you actually really think about him well i do really like the guy right if I it mean, was guided by a like qualified therapist yeah. I mean, i'm saying yeah. I'm, I'm being dead serious yeah. i think it could be a realistic therapeutic thing because it would be so painful to hear toby and joey tell a therapist in a controlled environment the things that i do to them that they could never say to me like it would be valuable information and it right. would be painful but it would be valuable and i wouldn't fault you and i couldn't contest you i think it would be actually really useful but i can't really exactly think of the ethical package to right. deliver it in. well the thing that would work well, what a unique about it, opportunity it, well just even like then like when you say it to somebody's face like that like it's Paul, crazy even though he was joking uh did a defensive he did back, you know, yeah. fuck you or yeah. whatever so that's exactly that's right. the thing usually when that happens when you actually do finally confront somebody about how shitty they're being you're pissed automatically defensive you know I mean? you're, and, and you're pissed too so you say it way meaner and harsher than if you were just saying doesn't it to, that define wouldn't you say 80 percent of 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 confrontation with yeah. either me and you or me and your wife both 80 percent of it is when they come to you you're like well i know but it's because of this this and yeah. this and so you don't even get you don't even get a chance to go down the road of how you really feel because we kick into defensiveness, aggressive, oppressive. We get into right. all those modes immediately. So any therapist out there, any cognitive psychologist, take that idea. I think it's a good one. Butt dial therapy, take it and run with it. I love there it. Go. Yeah. I mean, while we're here, does anybody have any questions about the conversation that we're asking? Specific questions regarding this subject area, or maybe a question about something else, just in general? Oh, we want to take some questions right now. No, and we're almost to break time, aren't we? Okay. Let's listen to this week's sponsor. It's a new band from Tooth and Nail called Hearts Like Lions.
Wow. Not bad, Hearts Like Lions. I really do like that music, and I wouldn't say it if I didn't, but I think that's pretty cool. Uh, kind of an old emo sound. That's uh, Hearts Like Lions. They're from Long Beach, California. Their new EP, These Hands, is available now on iTunes or at toothandnail.merchline.com. Uh, they'll be on tour with Revivalist and Household this February, and you can expect a full-length release from them in 2015. We'll do questions, and we'll come back and give some good uh, boundaries for questions, and we'll do, we'll do that. We don't, we don't have a guest tonight. Oh, we do oh, have yeah, a guest tonight. Yeah. Oh, okay, so we're going to do questions and a guest. Yeah. Well, let's, uh, okay, what do you want to do? Sorry, I might have messed that up. You want to do questions, take a break, play some music, and then have a guest? What are we, I'm sorry. Where yeah, are we do at? we have some questions out there? Who, ha- who has some stuff they want to talk about? Not all at once. Oh, okay. Yeah. So we're gonna do questions now. Right, now pass, here, the, pass this mic back to somebody. Now who's, here's who's the rules on. Wrong. Here's the rules on the question. We can talk about anything in the world you want, but we've had some problems on some. Yeah, let's just say some other shows. I'm not saying last night. I'm not saying the night before, yeah. but maybe some general shows we've had in the past. We've had the problem where when people get the mic and want to ask a question, what they really want to do is do two or three paragraphs of backstory, and they don't even have a question. Yeah. So let's try. Let's see how many people have questions, and let's make t- say two or three sentences, ask a question, and then we'll we'll we'll, we'll get to hear from a bunch of the bad Christian uh, listeners, which yeah, will be great. No statements or agendas. Questions. Yeah, no first. agendas. Just list questions right. about stuff that yeah. uh, you want to hear us talk about, anything in the world, or stuff you think we're saying this messed up. Yep. So all right, who's got the mic? Who's first? Tell us your name and where you're from. Um, I'm Jessica Tatman, and I'm from Covington. Jessica Tatman from Covington, Georgia. <laughs> nice. Um, my question really pertains more to uh, Toby and Joey. Sorry, okay. Matt. That's okay. Um, I lead worship at a church in Lawrenceville, and um, I also struggle with bipolar disorder. And I wanted to know, well, sometimes I know that I feel incompetent to lead worship, and I was wondering if, um, if you do struggle with that, how you get over that, and how it helps you continue doing your job in your church. Well, so, I was. Can I answer first? Or is your body going to die? No, I'm going to die before. The, <laughs> <laughs> I just wanted to clarify. Yeah. So, you mean uh, in, incompetent because of the bipolar to lead worship on a particular yes. Sunday sort of thing? Yes. Yeah. Then my first thing would be regardless of the bipolar, you're probably incompetent to do it. That's the way it, it just is. Not not you, I'm saying anybody. Like, I mean, don't don't say, well, because I have this, then I might be incompetent or I, I'm not not be good enough. I would say, honestly, I don't think anybody is. I mean, that's a that's a that's a big thing to say, hey, I'm gonna lead people into worship. And then or the idea of, well, if I'm a really good singer or or can do music really well, I can lead people in worship or, you know, I'm, I have a, I have a great stage presence. All, all those things are, are kind of frivolous in the, in the whole scheme of things. Like, I mean, the truth is, uh, it's, it, that should be a strength up there. It, when you, the number one time I think we worship God is when we need him and we realize it. And that should be a strength of yours. Like, Hey man, I, I don't even know if I should be up here, man. Thank you God that I am, man. I don't know what's going on right now with me mentally, emotionally, spiritually, physically, but I can be here. So that's all about you. And then it'll be less about you because if you are up there thinking about you, then that's what it'll be about. And, and that ends up leading you probably to worshiping you or what, you, what's, what you're going through. So you, and that's hard to do. I mean, it really is on a Sunday morning at nine in the morning. Morning, not to think about what what 
that's going on with you, but that is where you get out of it. Is you just go, man, I'm not supposed to be here. I'm not supposed to be the person. I don't have the skills to do this. The only way I'll do get through this is you, Jesus. And yeah, then then it can something really worshipful can happen. So, all right. Yeah. And I and I would just say be open with as many people as you possibly can. Um, she just with, did it for like tens of thousands just yeah. now. Right. So good start. <laughs> I mean, start on that. I mean, people that surround you at church. Um, like I, I definitely have people super close to me that I, I would tell on that Sunday, man, I am jacked up mentally. You know what I'm saying? Like I just don't feel good, and it, it just helps for other people to know that. Joey calls it his game face. Yeah. Game face, baby. And then, Joey, and I also, another thing that helps you just kind of get out of yourself is you just, honestly, before you go, you smoke a bowl. Next question. <laughs> All right. What, what other Next questions? Question. Anything you want to talk about? What's going on, guys? My name is Derek. I'm from uh, Lilburn. All right. Um, as far as the F word goes, the lady that emailed. What is that word? Uh, the F word. Oh, okay. okay. <laughs> E-F-F. E-F-F. W-O-R-D. Um, I would say I'm way more bothered by Toby's overuse of butthole than I am <laughs> the F word. Every other episode has something about the butthole, so that make, gives me the willies way more than the four-letter F word. But, um, Do you like your butthole? Just to, butthole. Just in general, dark buttholes and all sorts of stuff. Oh, That's oh so funny because... <laughs> There's I do, I do the news I don't know if you know and I have a butthole story tonight so <laughs> stay tuned stay that. tuned Derek what's your so, question yeah. <laughs> um, I was reading an article in Relevant magazine about the top fifty mega churches mm-hmm. the budgets that they have uh, it's something that's happened to me in my church experience in life on misappropriation and misuse of money in the church uh-huh. um, and they were saying in mega churches fifty percent is used for salaries. Um, 45 for miscellaneous, and then 5% is something I want to focus on, 5% for missions. Yeah. So for me, I go to a mega church, 10,000 plus people, you know, billion campuses, that kind of thing. Um, it really bothers me to think about how much money is used for presentation on Sunday versus outreach during the week, yeah. um, missions, all that kind of thing. How much you, you know, use on a new, brand new set of lights versus how right. much you using the community. So I was just curious. I know all three of you guys could do mega churches. So um, what are your thoughts on that? Um, well, I've been involved in a mega church for a really long time. I've been a part of Mars Hill, which was a really efficient, really good kick-ass mega church, and it's collapsed and it ended. So whatever it was that they were doing, I was way into it, and it totally failed. So maybe that's the way they use their funds. Maybe that's part of it. There's a lot of things to it. So I like to describe where I'm at right now, and I think there's a lot of people this way, and I predict it to be a lot more in the future. I've kind of come up with this term, and I'm sure somebody else has too, but I feel like there's a bunch of people who are what I would call post-megachurch evangelicals. And and that doesn't mean post as in I'm against them or whatever. I just like I've done that. I've been there. I've done that whole thing, and then – it, it fell apart, or it fell apart for me. So some people say individually, some people institutionally, the institution fails. And I think you will see more of them fail in the future. Now, Toby, and so I would say I'm almost post-megachurch. I don't even know what, where to go, what to do next. And I think that what you've named is one problem, potential problem with them that I think everybody sees really clearly. Now, Toby and Joey still go to and are at a big megachurch. And, and the numbers you said are probably relatively accurate by minus some percentage of, of give or take. 
So that that's at least where I'm at with it. I, I think that's probably true. How do you guys answer that? Well, I mean, I, I could brag on our mega church uh, just from a statistical standpoint. Like, we're aware of those stats, and our church gives um, well over that 5% that you spoke of. Um, but here, here's what I think the rationale is, and I don't think it's necessarily uh, a good rationale, but I think a lot of churches, they see, okay, Sunday mornings, that's what we focus on because that's our opportunity. So that is our missions. That is our outreach. And sure, there's other people that need help in the community, but there's a lot of nonprofit organizations doing that. So I, I guess the only thing I would say from a general standpoint is uh, I don't I don't think you can look at the churches uh, necessarily as a whole and just say, man, they're messed up. They're using money uh, wrongly. They should think things through better. I think uh, it would probably be healthy to give a little bit of the benefit of the doubt. But I also think that your thinking is very healthy because there's also a lot of churches that are screwing it up. And I would say all the churches are screwing it up to some degree because it's made of people, you know. Yeah. Yeah, thank you, Derek. Appreciate it. What else we got tonight? Raise it up. Hey, my name's uh, Chris. I'm from Atlanta. Chris from Atlanta. Yep. Um, so uh, a real popular thing for Christians to do is to, as an outreach is to go do like a homeless ministry, like feed the homeless and stuff like that. Mm-hmm. Um, so what I've witnessed in a lot of those is specifically in Atlanta, there's a park called Hurt Park. And that is a park where on the weekdays, there's not a lot of people there, but on the weekends, it gets really filled up with, with homeless people and people that need to get feed, fed and stuff. So my question is, is that, like, I've actually seen situations where there'll be a church van roll up, someone will have a full plate of food, and then another church van will roll up, and they'll drop that food and go get more food. So my question essentially is, do you think that feeding the homeless in a lot of situations is more enabling, or do you think it's actually helping? Well, I want Toby to answer that question. Now, Toby is somebody, I, Toby and I have gone to, I've worked with Toby at a homeless shelter before, in Seattle, where we've sat there and served people and worked with people. And I've also seen, that's one occasion, on probably five occasions, I've seen Toby almost get in a fist fight with a homeless person on the street. <laughs> so we'll, we'll let him answer that question. Uh, <laughs> the homeless dilemma has plagued me. You for, have a contentious relationship it, with it, the homeless, do you not? It has plagued me unbelievable. I promise you, eight since. College, even, I guess maybe even high school, I, uh, it was that same thing where I felt like I started out with, okay, I'll just give money. And then I started realizing, well, I'm just giving them money to, to give them to, get them to get a, go away from me. You know what I mean? So I don't have to deal with it. Yeah, here's $2. Just get the hell away from me. And then, so I was like, I'm not going to do that anymore. And then I was like, then I kind of felt a little bit convicted because I was like, well, they are, you know, homeless. I mean, I, who, who the hell am I? So I decided I would start talk, stopping and talking and try to have a conversation. And that got worse and That's worse. That's when it got and, real and then, bad. Yeah, then I was just, <laughs> that, that several times led to tons of arguments where, like, it was, like, ended with, like, yeah, I'll beat your ass. No, y'all beat your ass. Yeah, I mean, you've been in a phys- physical altercations with homeless people before. I mean, yes. I mean, I'm not beating around the no, bush. No, I know. I know. Yeah, it's, it's quote, true. quote, Toby. I'm about to do something to you that it will easily be the worst thing that's ever happened to you. He said that to a homeless all right, guy. All right. in, in this particular case, a homeless person had stolen my iPhone. Yes. Toby and some other people tracked him down and physically threatened him, got into an altercation until the police were called to where the main offender in the situation was Toby. Yeah. <laughs> It, it, it was basically... Toby threatened two, the person. I almost went to jail two hours before an Emory show in Orlando, Florida. <laughs> and I had to call my wife and tell her that, too. That was not fun. So I have a lot of experience with homeless people. <laughs> and so uh, 
I, I actually worked at the church Matt went to in Seattle, and uh, our pastor was uh, very in, encouraged us a ton to work uh, with the homeless, and there's a union gospel mission there. And so when I went there, we had to stay overnight, uh, two nights, two nights in a row you had to stay overnight, and you basically pretended or lived the homeless lifestyle, right? And then we had some serious in-depth conversations as well. And that changed me forever because what I realized, um, learned is a better word for it, is that homeless people are there because uh, they're out there on the streets. They don't have homes. Their lives are a mess because they were hurt just just terribly and, and, and almost always at a very young age and almost always by somebody they loved and trusted. I mean that the statistics are unbelievable. I, I I was, I mean it took my breath away. I couldn't I couldn't believe it. And it's basically I mean I, I'm I, I don't have time to go into all the details. So I'm I'm even not even paraphrasing this well. But I would just say, it it ends up being that uh, they can't handle situations and they it's almost like arrested development when uh, pain or strife or something that comes up against them happens. They go back to that moment where they were hurt, and so. We are all built for love, and and we were built for to be in a relationship. I, I I believe that with all my heart. I believe that's what the Bible is about. I believe that's why Jesus came to get us back in a relationship with Him. Uh, that that is the most important thing. That's what it was about. We're, he's like, hey, let's just hang out. I want to make you, and we're going to hang out and have some fun. And and we we blew it because we wanted to know more than that, and, and it's ruining us. And so with, with homeless people, I really did say, man, I'm talking a long time. That's too serious. That's all right. Yeah, I, I need to go back to, like, fighting them or something. But uh, so basically when love hurts you, when it's somebody you trust, a family member, a friend, when that hurts you, how do you receive love again, and how do you trust it? And if it's the number one thing you're built to do is to love and to be loved and re- receive love and give love, and it's the number one thing that betrayed you for your entire life. How do you even live the rest of your life anywhere close to what we call normal? Yeah. So and, to address his question and what you've heard, I've heard you say to me before, which I really understand is, it's not really so much that what they need is the food. What they really do need is like an understanding from human beings and interaction with them. So if giving them food work, uh, works for that. That's re- really, really good. But it's not like, I mean, it is, and maybe that's what you were speaking to, the fact that people roll up and think, I delivered some food to these uh, really messed up people, and now I'm better for having done that, completely, that, that's horrible. That's a horrible way to look it's, at it's it. It's the easiest thing to do. It's oh, a oh there's homeless people. Let me go give them some food, and we're out. Let's, go, let's, head, let's all head to the nice restaurant for dinner after You church. would be so much better off to dedicate yourself to spending 45 minutes talking to them and don't give them a dime. If you could do that, that would be way harder, way more helpful. Listen to them, hear their story. And that's not me. I'm not saying I do that. But if you have the mentality of we we just drop off the food and now their, their symptoms are alleviated, no, that's not the approach. Yeah. I mean, even just to test yourself, I, I promise you, if you had just a, a single day, a Saturday or something, and you can just go stand downtown and watch the rest of the world and you can't be a part of it. And you just see that every day. Of course you're going to lose your mind. I, I mean, I promise you, I sat there just on the street and just watched everybody. And we, we didn't have any money on us or anything. And there's nothing you can do. You don't even get to be a part of the real world. You get to see success and busy people with lives and things that they're headed towards and coming from. And you don't get to be a part, any, a part of it, any of it. So it's just it, – and then we're just going to – 
you know, band-aid it with some money. And you can't do it all the time. You can't sit there and have a 45-minute conversation with people all the time. But there, we have to think about it, especially as Christians, we have to think about it in a lot different way or, or else all we're doing, we're not doing anything. I mean, it, it would be way better if we said no matter what. You're right. No matter what, we won't give any money. And then, then we would have to do something. You know, there would be people dying or whatever it might be. Well, you, you would have to at least do something besides, yeah, let's just keep this because it's the easiest thing to do. There was a really aggressive homeless person that came running up to Joey while he was pushing his kid in a stroller. What? Yeah. And what did Joey do to that homeless person? Joey kicked him in the face. Oh, yeah. You're getting your story mixed up, man. Just FYI, it was a dog. Okay. Do we have another question? We're going to do another question, and then we're going to take a break here. Did anybody get nervous when the dog came up to me a little while ago? (laughs) Yeah, uh, I'm David. I'm from Atlanta. Um, So this kind of has to do with the Dave Bazan episode and just Uh the uh, Christian music scene, um, particularly in the hardcore scenes, and Christian bands kind of losing their faith and then still maintaining the Christian image. So my question to you guys is, do you think there's something maybe particular about the hardcore scene or maybe about fame or about touring or seeing the real world that maybe causes people to lose their faith? Or if not, what do you think it is that causes some people who are so dedicated to then kind of turn their back on it? I like the question. You want me to answer? If, you have, if anybody has a gut reaction, I'll, I'll refrain. My gut reaction one, is, well, the, the tough thing about that is, I think regardless of the, of the hardcore band, they probably were going to do the same thing. You know what I mean? It's just that they had a microphone, and it's easy a lot of times to start in a church or play at a church, and you don't know what you believe when you're 8, 16, 17 years old, and you're just doing music, and your church says, yeah, you can play here if you play about Christ. And so you go, yeah, sure, because all my friends will be there, and it's easy. It's so easy. But then when you turn 24, you think about the world a lot differently. And so I don't know if it's necessarily – I don't think it's the music or the scene. I actually think the church – System, not churches, people, but the church system sets people up because they're like, oh, yeah, man, look at this young man. He's learning the guitar and he's going to sing for Jesus. And you're like, what in the hell does that even mean? You don't, even, you don't know anything. You know what I mean? Just, just because it's just because you learned a few chords and you get to play at church, you don't know. And we're setting these people up to think that they do know. And then they have a voice for Christ, but they didn't even want it really in the first place. And it's just it goes away. So I think it I think it just sets people up wrongly to just because they have a microphone and then everybody's like yeah oh they're hardcore christian and then they're not and so i don't think it's necessarily the scene i think it's just it was going to happen either way i think from my point of view what i noticed because i'm not a lead singer i'm a guitar player in a band but there really is this thing that i've no, i've seen it i mean i've been playing in bands for a long time I've seen bands that are small get big and i've seen even people you know tons of people and the fame does affect them. I, I 100% agree that fame affects people. As the more you're in the spotlight, the more you feel observed, and then the more you feel like you need to have a, a platform or a point of view. Or If people are looking at you, you, you better have something to say. And so, so I've seen people change dramatically once they had more people looking at them. And it's, it's like a pressure cooker, I would say. So you have to really get with it quick. So if, you're, if your faith is medium or you're not really sure what you believe, or like Toby said, if you just find yourself in the Christian world and then all of a sudden everybody's looking at you, you're, you're going to have to get right with yourself somehow. And you're either going to um, double down and say, this is really it. 
or I, uh, this is my real character, or you're going to go, wait a minute, I feel so fake, and I'm going to search for something else, or I'm going to do something else. But, you know, people change a ton when they're in the spotlight. They change faster and more because they, they are aware of the people observing that. It's a big factor. But it's really an accelerant to whatever it is that that person felt about themselves or wanted other people to feel about them. So fame is just a spotlight, and I would just say it's, it's an accelerant. So if any one of you got famous, your flaws or your fears or your insecurities would increase greatly, and that would cause more dramatic, quicker change in, I think, who you are. But, I don't, I, but you can't blame a spotlight for making somebody think this or go this direction philosophically or religiously. Certainly not. The least thing that could ever prove your Christianity either, as well is that what you say from stage. That, that, I mean, there's a million people that get in front of a camera or, or behind a microphone or whatever and say something about God. That doesn't mean anything. I don't, I, I don't know you, I don't, uh, whatever. I mean, you can say anything with a microphone. It's, it's how you actually live your life. And, and so I like with Dave Bazan, I actually think he probably would have ended up in the same spot regardless of Pedro the Lion or Dave Bazan Band or whatever. I really yeah, do. Maybe I, slower, I would yeah, say. It, but it's yes. what he was looking for. You know what I mean? That's what I think. Like, it, it, I, I really do think that's what he was looking Don't for. Don't you think the so people talking to him and making him answer the questions and looking to him for stuff accelerated that line of thinking? You know what I mean? If he was just a guy that hung drywall, then he would have been, been a slower turn toward that. Yeah, but I mean, if he was looking, I, I actually believe if he was looking for God, then he would have saw them as needing him as well and maybe yeah. d- done so. I, I, I just enough. think, I mean, if, if people can talk you out of God, then it, you don't believe in God anyway. Yeah, fair enough. So, all right, all right how about another next, one? Next, last question here, we're going to take a break. Hey guys, my name is Bryant. I'm from Cleveland, Georgia, not Ohio. People get that mixed up. What about but, Tennessee? Uh, being in a worship ministry as well as in a band have you ever dealt with burnout and how did you cope with that if you did i have thoughts on that but i have thoughts on everything joey Joey? you want to answer it i thought you said worship leader just ministry in general yeah ministry in general um i mean i think for me it's if you don't know if, if you're not confident that god has you at a specific place for a specific time period uh, then you'll just get burnt out every single time. I mean, it, for me, it just goes back to, okay, God, am I supposed to be doing what I'm supposed, what I'm doing right now? And if the answer to that is yes, then I'm like, okay, well, it's not about me. So if I'm burnt out, I better get my ass in shape and keep going. You know? I, I, my point of view on it is I am so sick of hearing people come to me and say they're burnt out. I am sick. I heard it so many times. Every, it's like this go-to phrase that people use and it's, like I feel like it's just overkill. Like I just have heard it so many times. It's the, it's the go-to phrase in ministry when you want to do less. And I'm fine with that. Like I understand you're doing stuff you don't get paid or whatever. But I really think most of the time when somebody comes to me or I hear them say burnout, it has, carries this implication that drives me crazy, which is I, I was working so hard. I was doing so much. It's a self-weighted thing. And I'm not saying I'm not guilty of thinking that way, too, but it's so it almost comes across arrogant to me when somebody says they're burnt out because they're implying that they did so much. And I'm, I don't know who ever asked you to do that or said you had to do it or whatever. So I, I, I'm a less sensitive to that. Like if somebody says they're burnt out, for sure, let them go because they're not going to be any good to you. I get it. But I always take it. I'm like, OK, you're burnt out. You, I mean, it's almost an arrogant point of view even to, to say the burnout thing to me i know that sounds jerky i agree with you I, and i mean this sounds just awful but i don't ever hear 
outside of ministry a lot of I mean, I mean, like, I don't hear the grocery stocker going, damn it, I am burnt it out means I'm doing abo- these It groceries. means I've done a, above yeah, and yeah. beyond, and it, it ha- wasn't recognized enough. Yeah, That's and, what it and, means. And, I mean, honestly, when I've seen some pastors or religious leaders get burnt out, they, then somehow they get, everybody's like, feels really bad for them, and they get like a paid sabbatical for two months. <laughs> I was like, what's I mean, crazy is a lot, of their reasons, so yeah. a lot of their reasons for cheating on their wives is because they were burned out. Yeah, it, it's this so over, over uh, assessed worth of the things that they did. I, I don't like it. I hate, I hate the term. It's yeah. just it's overblown. And plus, when the more you, it's propagated and people hear it, the more somebody's like, I can say I'm burnt out. And then they're going to go tell their leader they're burnt out. And it sounds noble. But I'm not crashing on people. I know people work and they're hard. You don't have to volunteer at your church. Of course you don't. You don't have to. That's fine. But I, I think it's an overused. I'm, I'm burnout on burnout. Okay, today's first music sponsor is a new band called The Notionaries. Check out their latest single, Bandit. See what we think. That was Bandit by the Notionaries. That song will be on their brand new EP coming out this summer. And we'll have another song from them on next week's episode as well. To hold you over until then, you can go check out bhgmusicgroup.com or thenotionaries.com and get connected with their social media. Bandit is also available for purchase on their SoundCloud and Reverb Nation pages. Check out badchristian.com forward slash sponsors to find links for the Notionaries and for every other sponsor you hear about on the podcast. Our second music sponsor is a band that you've heard of over the last couple of weeks. They're called The Grandfather. Let's check out a clip from a new song called December BCAD.
That's a clip of the song December BCAD by The Grandfather. Their new record, 1222, will be out in March. That's coming up. As always, make sure you check them out at thegrandfatherband.bandcamp.com. Once again, that's thegrandfatherband.bandcamp.com. Check them out today. Um, with the BC Club, we seriously, over the last year and a half or so, we had people emailing us saying, hey, man, how can we be a part? How can we help you guys out? And then when we dug a little bit deeper, what they were asking was, hey, would you guys accept our money? And we were just like, holy crap, we, we should maybe figure out a, a regular way of allowing people to do that if that seems like you know what they want to do. So that's why we started the BC Club. Uh, the, the big benefit for us is that we actually uh, get to give things away. BC Club allows us to give things away to everyone. I mean, the podcast is free. We The lineup compilation was free. The M-Word was free. Uh, Bad Christian, Great Savior, a hard book that we have on uh, sale right now. Some people are here tonight for free. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So thank you guys for being in the BC Club. It helps us keep giving things uh, for free. So. All right, let's keep it going. We're going to bring up a guest who's actually kind of a now almost like an old friend of ours now. So his his name is Nick. Nick, you want to come on up? Now, Nick, we brought you up because you also suffer with kidney stones and have to bail out on your job right in the middle of it. Right. All the time. (laughs) Every day. So you you know Joey pretty well, right? Yeah. Yeah, I mean, like what I'm wondering about is I know Joey super well and the way that he's looking and the way he sounds, the way... Is freaking me out completely. How right high now? He, yeah, but I, I don't know if they, if they, because I don't know if they've seen you. That, right. I mean, they just think yeah. you're a big fat tubular <laughs> that eats pizza all the time, and so I think they're thrown off by what you look like anyway. Right. But you're freaking me out right now. Really? This is the skinniest I've ever seen him, to but, be honest. But but does I mean do you, do you th- don't can you not notice that he's really drugged up right now? I mean, yeah, something's up. Something's wrong. Joey was your pastor. <laughs> <laughs> something is wrong. But I mean, seriously, does his eyes and the way he's talking is it freaking you out? Look at it's freaking me out. I really that's crazy. Who gets freaked out? Make some noise. <laughs> no, I don't no, think they. I don't think they know this. Just they a don't bunch know. of Emory fans. They're gonna do everything Toby says. I just did that because it's really funny. Because people, did, that was kind of an uncomfortable question here. People, they were like, "Well, I don't want to say I'm freaked out." Uh, woo! It's like <laughs> I mean, a sad woo. I'm, I'm dead serious. You do not have to be here right now if you're in. If you are you I'm okay? Not, the medicine's kicked in. Obviously, that's what's freaking you out. I guess when my eyes look yeah. weird or something. They do. Okay. Do you? Do you what do you feel right now? You feel pretty high, right? Like, I mean, mentally, are you out there? There's like, like a natural high in just the kidney stone pain going yeah. away. Yeah, I'm telling you, when yeah. you go to the doctor, I've been, I've gone to the doctor with the worst kidney stone pain imaginable, and they give you a shot that not only kills the pain but gives you a high. Dude, that's what dreams are made of, man. That feels so good. Oh my lord. Well, I, I want to say, I want to give Nick uh, props. Uh, you know, something that we do at Bad Christian or, or that we believe in uh, at such a deep level is just honesty. And uh, Matt, you probably don't know this, but uh, Nick started coming to our church, and he was coming regularly. And he stopped me one time. He said, "Man, I just want to let you know." that uh, I really am considering making y'all's church my home, but right now I am kind of at a crossroads trying to figure out, am I just here because the worship leader is the lead singer of Emory? And I was like, that is, that is a really awesome thing uh, to, to just say. And then, you know, months later, you realize you were here for the right reasons and all that stuff. But well, we're glad it must to have, have you pre- here, Nick. It must have been pretty kick-ass to see the lead singer of Emory leading worship, though. Right? Every single Sunday. I, sent a, I, sent, I would send Snapchats to my friend back in Kansas City. I was like, hey, look. Look who it is. 
<laughs> and it was it was regular for a few weeks, and then he was like, "Okay, yeah, you see Toby every Sunday, big deal." I think uh, using I think sending worship leader pics is a little bit of an uh, irregular use of Snapchat, I is know, it that's not? Kind of nerdy. <laughs> like, it okay, was, it what was a dorky way to use Snapchat. Okay, I don't think that's what it was for. The, the person on the other end is like, "Uh oh, Nick sending me a pic." Here we go. It's a big bearded man. Gross. Let's get something straight here. I am very honest. So, uh, who's the ho- what's his, what's your name? Kevin, I'm sorry about spilling the beer on your floor, but that's my fashion. He's very honest. Though. He's yeah. like, hey, man, I spilled a beer on your floor. Could I have a towel? And I'm like, yeah, sure. And he had already used the, ba- the bathroom towel. Though. <laughs> <laughs> that's not what that is. So, like the, the don't use towel. I understand the, it. That's the first uh, apology. Yeah. Next is um, I'm sorry that you guys beat us, and I'm sorry you guys lost. Oh, your football, NFL. Yeah. 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 We got some yeah. Cowboys fans here. So here's why we brought Nick up. Nick is a good friend of ours, and he's probably, honestly, one of the most uncomfortably honest people I've ever met. I'm, I've been in a small group with him for, man, we were in a small group for months and months, and yeah. it's me and Nick, and then, like, probably four older, like, 65-year-old men, and Nick's just like, yeah, and that's when I fucking blew it, because I was just like, what the fuck is going on? And you know how it is, and I just started masturbating. So I'm like, I mean, it's... Seriously, it sounds like I'm exaggerating. You'll just say shit like that, and I'm like, I'm the leader of the group that works at the church, and I'm like, yeah, yeah. Can you guys read my shirt? What do I do? I just start laughing. Can you all read my shirt? Yellow plugged yep. X3 yeah. church, X3 man. X3 watch, which we didn't do, by the way. So that's our X3 watch plug there. <laughs> what does it say? It says you stopped masturbating for 11 years until you turned 12. <laughs> yeah. That's, that's a lot better than Toby. Like a week ago? <laughs> so back to your stories, Mr. Back to your story, so, Nick. So you have a, a very intense story. You're in the middle. Yeah. You're in the Air Force. And... Uh, Basically, I'm, I'm just kind of. I want you to elaborate a little bit on this, but from hearing your story, you were a an Air Force photographer, right? And you took some pictures of just unreal things, like just and you saw things and were around things so much so that it had actually really affected you mentally. Like you, you, you suffer from PTSD, right? Yeah, yeah. Tell us about those pictures. I'm not, I don't. I don't actually know the story and everything. But what? What? What do you mean? What's okay, he talking just about? Okay, just just the short version is I was in the Air Force. I joined a combat camera unit. I deployed. I saw a bunch of nasty stuff. Like, let's go. Let's just stop right there. What? what like what? What do you uh, mean nasty stuff? Have you seen Texas Chainsaw Massacre? Yes. Worse than that. But I mean, it was real. Real. Like, I mean, you're like, talking about like you were like, yeah. photog- like you were shooting thing pe- people that had died, and you come up on the scene, yes. or you saw people die in like as they died, like, like civilians what? hitting a bomb and then going and taking pictures of their bodies. Like, were you documenting it or yes. just yeah? Uh, it's wow. it's it's terrible. Yeah. Um, that's the start of it. The end yeah. of it is I got back from Afghanistan. I became an, an alcoholic. I still suffer with alcoholism now, but I have a very supportive girlfriend who backs me up and keeps me in check. Um, but, and she um, brought you to a, like a podcast where the, the, the host is party. Yes. Yeah, great girlfriend. Thank you so much. <laughs> Hey, you know, uh, I know you suffer with alcoholism. We should go to a podcast where they just drink. Um, unbelievable. So, um, anyways, kidding. so my alcoholism led to a divorce, uh, led to a bunch of allegations of how much of an asshole I was to my ex-wife, and um, I was facing sixty-five years in prison. Well, hang on a second. You can get sixty-five years in prison for getting being divorced. An asshole. <laughs> yeah. no, for being an asshole. Do not yeah. ever join well, the military. <laughs> like that, I, you lost me there. <laughs> Okay, I was so, a jerk to my wife, and now I'm going to jail <laughs> for 65 years. Do not tell my wife about that, or I'm screwed. In the military, they have a closed uh, court system. It's a private, um, 
private junction, and uh, charges were brought up from her, allegations of rape, uh, sodomy, um, abuse. um, Bad shit. Bad shit. Really bad shit. And uh, over a course of seven years were the terms, like all the allegations. And, um, you know... It's really so scary to talk about. Let's yeah, be yeah. real here. It's just, no, it's okay. And uh, I was facing, at a time in my life, I was facing 65 years in prison, and I, mean, I had no clue. I have a seven-year-old son. Didn't know if I was going to see him again. My parents, I didn't know, uh, you know, like, I go to jail for rape. I'm probably going to get killed in jail. Um, so yeah. the allegations for you, your wife alleging rape and those yes. things against her during uh, the course of your marriage. Yes, and the is it the MP, the military police, or the they have their own court system, like you yeah. said. And it's a private and they, court they, system. They brought charges. They brought charges to me. They uh, they took me to court. Uh, she was she was the only evidence. There was no physical evidence. It was just her voice. And there was a trial. Thank God for that. Yeah, there was a trial. Yeah, okay. uh, because like uh, the night that she alleged that I had done all this was, was New Year's 2011, 2012. And she said that I raped her that night, anally, like vicious rape. And the, the MP showed up, and they're like, "Hey, let's let's do a let's do a test. Let's find out, you know." And she was like, "No, I don't want to do that." And well, okay. So is what my defense team did was is we we didn't attack her as a person, but because she didn't have anything to back up her stories, is the reason that we were we were able to discredit her stories. Um, there's a there's a really good way of protecting. Um, any type of victim or possible victim in the military uh, from a military member. So uh, in the real world, you're innocent until proven guilty, or unless you're a celebrity, you're guilty. And especially if you're a celebrity, you're guilty, you know, just because of Reddit and all that stuff. But yeah. um, I don't know where I was going with that. Well, when you, well, came, when you came back, um, obviously you didn't rape your wife, but what was some of the crap that she had to deal with? having a husband that saw that stuff and you coming back to try to be a husband and a father. Yeah, I actually think that's a part of your story that I'd like to clarify. Just from knowing you, a lot of shit she said was not true and and that probably stemmed from her anger and hurt and your anger and hurt. And so what was that like? I mean, just because, I mean, you guys were in love. You have a son together and yeah. everything. And so what what was real? Like, what do you, what do you think in that? Like, in that, in, those, in that time, like... What were you fucking up with? Yeah, what was she? Alle- I mean, she even if those things are untrue and she was just alleging them, she must have a, a severe beef with you. Oh, she does. It wasn't out of nowhere, and, and it's definitely not out of nowhere. There's rightfully so. Like I definitely apologetic towards her in terms of the way that I treated her as my spouse when I got home because, um, just to sleep at night, for example, I would probably drink anywhere from a six pack to a twelve pack to an entire bottle of vodka or or uh, Jameson's my favorite liquor. I can't even drink that now because it just triggers too much stuff from that time in my life. And at the time we had a, uh, when I got back from Afghanistan, my son was three years old and he's only seen me about four months of his life. So I'm already a shit dad, you know? So she's already mad at me about that. I get back to Afghanistan. From Afghanistan, I'm, I'm treating her like she knows what I went through, but I shelled up I like, a, like a turtle. Like, I, seriously, I didn't, I didn't tell anybody anything. I... I try to just go on with life, pretend like everything was fine. And if you're a veteran or if you know a veteran, that's what they do. And that's what we do. And that's one of our, that's one of the things that sucks. And if it wasn't for everything that she did do though, like all the heinous things that she did and she did say about me, um, I wouldn't be where I'm at today. And 
And I, I mean, oh, glory to God, yeah. yeah. But um, so it took like getting to the lowest point because I mean, you're, you're in military lowest. prison facing sixty five years, and then, yeah. and then, do you think that because of that, you're able to, I mean, start a process of healing? Is that is that where where you think the healing actually started? Well, I think so, yes. But there's also this level of hatred that I still have towards her, um, and I, I was talking about it the other day how horrible it was that I had a, I had a dream the other night that she was in a bus accident and she pretty much got run over by a bus and she died. Um, but at the same time, my son was put in the hospital too. Cause she was, he was in the car with her and he was wrapped in bandages, just like you see on TV, like just covered with so many sores and everything. And it's like on an emotional level, my hatred towards her is making it worse for him as a young man growing up because he's now feeling the pain. He's now, he's now going through things that he shouldn't have to be going through as a seven year old kid that loves Minecraft and Legos. Yeah. I mean, I'm 29 and I love Legos too, but besides the point. So how do you, how, how, what's your plan to deal with that? Like, I mean, it has, you're right. It has to be tough for him to say, well, my dad hates my mom. But yeah. That's my mom. Like anybody that hates your mom, it's hard to understand that, you know? So do you, are you trying to work through that too? Are you trying to forgive her or forgive yourself? I'm working on forgiving her still. Uh, I forgave myself a long time ago. Yeah. Um, I'm, I had three beers tonight so far and just so, because you asked me earlier, and I just yeah. wanted to settle down and yeah. calm down and stuff, and and you know, uh, I don't I don't drink on the regular like all the time, but I do drink porters and stouts. I stay away from liquor, and that's just my my personal choice. So just, you, you you identify as an alcoholic, but you drink well, under control. Not alcoholic, but alcoholism. Uh, okay. So there's a difference. Alcoholic is you need a drink every day to go to the next day. Okay. Uh, you need a drink to do the next thing. Mm-hmm. Uh, for me, it's more like when, once I start drinking, I can't stop. Okay. Um, so that's why it's considered alcohol, uh, habitual alcoholism, essentially, but it's not an actual alcoholic. And that's actually the terms of the divorce that she got was I admitted to be an alcoholic through our marriage. So that's why we were able to get a divorce. But I mean, just from her getting married a month later after us divorcing says a lot. So, well, yeah. so you're, uh, bumming everybody the hell out. Do you that's good- what I'm here no, for. That's okay. That's Is there right. any light at the end of the tunnel? Yeah. Um, so right now, uh, I got a really great opportunity to get out of Charleston. Yep. Um, and I'm using it uh, gruelingly. I terribly do not like where I live at right now because there's no beach. <laughs> yeah. But uh, that's okay. Um, it's a really great time for there just to be a, a time away from yeah. them. And just individual time with my son uh, over longer periods. Yeah. And he came, he came down for Christmas and we had a great Christmas. Uh, we talk on FaceTime every single Sunday. Uh, I call every single night around 7.20 his bedtime, and I talk to him for a few minutes, ask him about his day at school, make sure that he's doing what his mother tells him to do because there is still that, that level of respect that has to happen for a functional family, even though we're not a family anymore. It still has to go down the right way. And how is he going to learn from me being an asshole to my ex-wife? Right. That's just a terrible idea. Uh-huh. So, and you have a beautiful new lady in your life, right? <laughs> Yeah, she's amazing. All right. Well, Nick, thank you for uh, joining us. What what really is important to us, and I think what fits our what we do here, is that, I mean, I don't know your story totally. This is the most I've heard of it, and it, I think it's extremely messy, and I have a, a trillion more questions. But that really mirrors what your real life is like. Like, it's not like that was a thing, and now it's all wrapped up. It sounds like a mess. Mm-hmm. So when we see the stories that they put on the screen at the mega churches on Sunday, they all have a happy ending. Um, you're in the middle of a really crazy story. Yeah. 
And that's that's okay. So we, we appreciate getting to hear from that and hear that tonight. Well, I think what's crazy yeah. too is how Toby depicted uh, the small group that both of them were in. I mean, it was it was funny, but at the same time, if you think about it, it's not funny that someone like Nick, who does believe in Jesus, who has made him his savior, can't be open with that sort of stuff without people being like, "Ugh, this is just not cool." He probably shouldn't. That's do right. This like a lot of stuff you said, that's, that's what I would destroy a small group. That's what. That's where I was yeah. headed. <laughs> yeah, a lot of people would think that the guy that's talking about, I mean, the young dude that's in there with tats with sixty-five-year-old Southern men. Hey, so then they about, hit me talking, with sodomy talking, charges. Yeah, that's when I, they said I anally raped her. Yeah. And that's when, you know, and the, I mean, he's saying all this stuff. And I'm telling you, it made those old men more comfortable. And they actually felt cool, and they still come. Nick's not in our group anymore. He moved away, and there's still men that are there. They're like, man, we talked about Nick just the other day. One of the old gentlemen was just like, I love it when that – what was that young guy with all the things all over his arms and everything? (laughs) And I was like, that was all – like, they – like, the thing is, people respond, no matter how ugly or terrible or just awful it sounds, to truth. That's what he's saying. Nick's not saying, hey, man, I got everything right. I'm not even going to tell you it the right way. I'm not going to articulate it the best way. Whatever. This is me, and this is who I am. And anybody can respect that. Anybody can respond to that. And it makes a difference. People want to show back up. Oh, oh, you mean I can be real? And you're going to accept me? If that guy with all the tattoos is talking about that kind of thing, I can can come in here and, and show up this morning and say who I am. And so I think that's one of your best traits is how honest you are. I mean, it's unbelievable. Sometimes I've been talking to you, and I was like, why in the hell are you telling me this right now? <laughs> but I also go, man, I love this about this dude, that he's always going to tell me whatever's on his mind, and, and he's not going to hide from you. I mean, it, it might be ugly as hell, but who you are is who you are. And, that, I mean, that may, causes me to have so much respect for you, and our friendship has grown, I mean, way more. I, I mean, yeah, I know you were always like, oh, man, you know that Emory song that did it? But <laughs> I'm just joking. It but, was so hard. This, you played it tonight. I messed it up like 20 times whenever I tried to cover it. It was terrible. <laughs> well, Nick, thank you for joining us. Nick Pilch, everybody. Good Nick. man. We appreciate it. Looking to get a massive mix without the massive price tag? Then check out SOS Studios. They'll bring your songs to the next level at an affordable rate. Money should never stand in the way of making your music sound amazing. Whether you're looking to mix a full-length rock album or your next electronica single, SOS Studios has experience mixing a wide range of genres. Visit their website today at www.sosstudiosmixing.com. That's www.sosstudiosmixing.com to learn more. And as a special offer for Bad Christian listeners, SOS Studios is offering 15% off of your online orders by entering the code BADCHRISTIAN during checkout. Again, check them out at sosstudios.com. Mixing.com and use the code BADCHRISTIAN for 15% off. SOS Studios. Hear your songs as they were meant to be heard. Well, guys, I think that, you know, after Joey's body has just fallen into hell, and then after our awesome guest, there's one thing that we need to just to brighten up the mood and just to make us all feel The joke bit. at the end of the podcast where we all laugh and then the music kicks in. Right? All right. What's the hey, time? There's, a, there's actually blood pouring out near your shoe. Oh. So can you wipe that up? Nick, can you get the towel? All right. It's time for a little bit of truth. What's it time for, everybody? 
You guys are awesome. Shut up. <laughs> in a world where any moment your best friend could shoot you in the eye with his kidney stone. My name is Toby Morrell, and this is the damn news. <laughs> it's time for the damn news. <laughs> Do kidney stones shoot out? Huh? Do kidney stones shoot out? Kind of. Yeah, in the toilet. It's uh, like all of a sudden you're you, uh, You've seen a kidney stone? Yeah. Seriously? Yeah. If you pass it, all of a sudden you're, you're peeing, and, and all of a sudden the pee strain stops, and then it goes back. Are you kidding? <laughs> No, I'm not kidding. I swear, I do that sound. That. Do that sound effect again. I love that. <laughs> 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 That's I, I love it. Do, do that one more time. I love it. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I had to That's say this. Great. I love You've that. heard your wiener make that noise, <laughs> <laughs> which which means his normal peas are just. The best sound effects. I would kill to have sound effects from our wiener like that. So, all right. Was it Derek? Derek, this one's for you, my man. Holy crap! British artist Magnus Irvin will cast your anus in bronze. Nobody laughed. Nobody thought everybody would be happy. Wait, I gotta say it like this. Holy crap! British artist Magnus Irvin will cast your butthole in bronze. There we go. <laughs> A British artist who makes chocolate candies in the shape of human anuses oh my Lord. is embarking on a new career and is making new impression on the world in the world of butthole art. I didn't even write that one. <laughs> <laughs> I wish I would have thought of butthole art. Butthole Golly. art. Butthole art would be amazing. Since 2006, Magnus has been selling anus-shaped candies and aptly named EdibleAnus.com. Write it down. Recently, Irvin got behind a new project casting personalized bronze anuses for $1,900 a pop. So basically, he can bronze your anus and make almost $2,000. How much does bronze cost? He's making, I mean, the overhead's low, right? It's a, it's a cheap alloy. <laughs> what kind of person pays that money to get a why chocolate you, anus I of know. themselves? Is it just like it's just a novelty to have, right? I mean, that's why you have it. I get anyway. Having made chocolate anuses now for quite a while, we've moved into the more permanent. We've moved into the more permanent anuses made of casting metal or glass. He told Riot TV, "These are uh, available to anyone who wants their own anus cast or copy of someone else's anus." <laughs> Yeah. Well, so you guys know if you ever look on the uh, the BuzzFeeds and the Huffington Post and all the other things on the Internet, you know what they, they say, embedded marketing. Well, we'd like to thank our sponsor, Edible Anuses, for bringing you the Bad Christian <laughs> Podcast tonight. <laughs> You know, this is what this is uh, embedded yeah. marketing here. The, the, so. Yeah, the, the quality, They're the amazing. It really is, is amazing. Bar none, I promise you. So it is really good. All right. So that was that one. Oh, would y'all ever have your anus bronzed? I, I don't really understand even the thing. So you would have the bronze anus, and you would put it on your mantle, or think, what would you? No, what, like, what would be the applications of it? I, well, think, you, I think it's like you give it to your wife as a ten-year anniversary engagement yeah. present or something. Yeah. yeah what no, what year? Think, what year is the years. bronze anniversary? Yeah, is that twenty like, or what is that? Yeah, it's like silver, bronze anus. You know, all that stuff at year right. after every few a years, certain so, year. Yeah. So I I don't think I would want that to happen. But what they do, I think they make a cast right. of your butthole. Right. And then they bronze it. Yeah. They don't throw the bronze right straight to... No, <laughs> surely they don't put molten bronze on your butthole. But, I mean, yeah, you're right. So, okay. Well, 
We've been talking about this, and I, I just wanted to. Th- this article showed up today, and I was just like, let's just go ahead and get a little bit deeper. But we're we're from South Carolina, and so there's a. It says Baptist mega church ministers in hot water over the comments on Ten Commandments, and this is about Perry Noble. Oh yeah, yeah. Yep. So I just thought I would just kind of read it. So. Um, and this comes from Greenville, South Carolina, which that's why I was like, man, I'm just going to read this because we know Perry Noble. He, uh, actually, I, I think he is a, a really good pastor. And But uh, a Baptist minister is in hot water after preaching a sermon that called the Ten Commandments sayings or promises rather than mandates or commandments. It, this right. is back in Christmas. On Christmas Eve message, senior pastor Perry Noble of New Spring Church. You guys familiar with that all at all here in Atlanta? You did? Uh, and you left because of this? Just kidding. Uh, he said, which regularly, they regularly have 32,000 worshipers at 11 campuses. Such a huge church. Um, he said, instead of 10 commandments, um, you have to keep, if you're going to be a follower of Jesus, there are actually 10 promises that you can receive when you say yes to Jesus. He then proceeded to uh, rephrase each of the commandments as a promise. The first commandment, you shall have no other gods before me, became you do not have to live in constant disappointment anymore. He said Noble told his uh, far-flung congregation that he believed his topic was given by God for specific for a specific people whose struggles over their inability to keep the Ten Commandments were preventing them from saying yes to Jesus. But he's in hot water because the president of the South Carolina Baptist Convention said Noble had better reassess his position or reassess his affiliation with the state's Southern Baptist churches. So the Southern Baptists are just pissed. They're like, you can't go go through that now what do you guys think because I, I, i'm not the, the article's long but basically he says that he has done some research and the greek or hebrew basically it is it's a promise it's not the same as a commandment he says that it's a promise that you won't kill it's a promise that you won't steal you know what i mean it's a promise that you will love your neighbor as yourself all those things so do you think it's that that big of a deal do you think or do you think the baptist church is like just yeah, saying you have to do what we say do you think he has a right to say this and it's okay? Well, it, should, it shouldn't be a big deal for someone to explore Scripture and to think very unique things just because he's in a high position. You know what I'm saying? Um, but I would say I, I would disagree, but I do think it's a very noteworthy way of looking at the old uh, commandments from a new covenant perspective. I mean, honestly, given that Jesus has fulfilled all the law, it sure is quite a statement to to look at those commandments now as promises. You know, I mean, it's pretty interesting. I don't think it's too far fetched, but I don't think that's what the Old Testament, like when it was being written down uh, by God on those tablets, I don't think they were promises. I mean, otherwise they wouldn't have had such stiff punishments. Right. So, well, I mean, to me, the the big flaw in the in the whole deal here is. Uh, I mean, you know how much scripture I can misinterpret, and and I have a, a podcast that a bunch of people listen to, and I hope y'all will allow me to misinterpret scripture because I I do. I mean, I do it all the time. I'm trying to get it right, and I'm guessing stuff, and I say, I wonder would this mean that? I wonder would this mean that? But there's something about the authoritarian big time leader of uh how many people did you say thirty thousand? Yeah, I just can't handle it. I just can't stomach it. It doesn't make sense to me. The the size of the platform alone, not the size the size of the platform plus the amount of authority uh, purported from it is disturbing to me. So it doesn't matter if you get something. Of course, they get something wrong. If you if you had that platform, if my friend Paul over here has that platform, or me, 
I'm going to say what I think, and it's a certain percentage of it's going to be wrong. I, I, I really don't think that somebody should have a platform and say, I am the pastor of 30,000 people. To me, that defies, to some degree, like the limits or the ability of a human. So I think the structure of his platform kind of betrays what he was able to do. So I think Perry Noble would make a great small pastor. I think he would make an incredible friend. I think he would make a great Bible interpreter for some people. But the authority over all this giant amount of people kind of disturbs me. And maybe that's just where I'm at right now. But the the thing that makes the most proves that point is you said over 30,000 people will come to his church on any given Sunday. Yeah. And I don't think that's a a good thing to report or know or talk about. Like, how many people are really his friends or people he knows? Or how many, like, churches now, all they do is report how many people might see them or view them online or show up in the pews on Sunday. I don't think that's a, a good number to report. I think that, I mean, like, I don't even have a ton of thoughts on church membership, but that's so far, if if that's the number that you care about the most is how many people hear your voice, well, that's the, like, the shallow, I mean, it's really shallow. Well, if anything, if anything, say, hey, uh, we have 30,000 people coming on any Sunday, and here's what we could do if they all tithe. (laughs) You know right. I'm, I'm I mean, just saying just like, the people that are committed, that are known, that are involved, that's not that. So the culture we've created says the more people that can hear the reach and see the screen, that's the number we're going to count. Right. And I don't think that's the most important number. Right. So I, I think Perry's awesome. Up? Like he would be a great guy. I would, like I'll stand up for him. Like I would love to hang out with him and let him talk to me about stuff. Yeah. I, I think it should be – here's what I think. I think you should be able to say, man, pastor – that, that that message this morning, man, that was full of shit. <laughs> and that should be okay. That yeah. should be okay. Then, I have no then problem the with him. Is, then the pastor isn't the end-all, be-all, and you have to think about life, and you have to do stuff. But at the very least, I'm kind of glad he said something that made you think more than just one time. I mean, That's right. I, well, I was talking about this last night. I just, I mean, we all buy into way too much this celebrity mentality, and it's just crazy. I mean, it's just, oh, man, that guy can really talk, or he's young and vibrant, and, man, it, the, so many people are listening to him. He's doing something for the Lord. That doesn't mean anything. Has, just because people listen to you doesn't mean anything at all. Like, has anybody ever, like, driven a, a really unbelievable sports car, like a 500-horsepower Mustang or, you know, the new Hellcat Charger or uh, Italian supercar? I mean, they make cars like that. They're better than... If, if you put a regular person in that car, they just can't even handle it. If you give a 600-horsepower car to somebody, you push the gas pedal one inch, and it's going to be going 80 miles an hour, and you have no clue how to handle that. When you have pure authority over tens of thousands of people, it's not your fault. You don't know how to handle that. I mean, that's like, you're not a bad, that doesn't even make you a bad driver. That gives you too powerful of a vehicle. Yeah. It's not the driver's fault. There's no chance Well, well that's my point. It. I think it should be okay to go, man, that that sermon was just not good. And then that way you could really just be okay. Like if you have to think you're going to church to get your religion or you're to get your faith or something like that, that should be ter- that That's a terrible idea. Uh, I, I believe that ministers and pastors are, are you back in pain? Your face looks unbelievable. Sorry. You're back. Are you okay? Go ahead. Are you in agony? No, I just know that if I didn't have medicine, it would be horrible so i'm not looking forward to the well, i thought you were gonna now. say i just know if i didn't have jesus i would be i would be in church <laughs> but but my point would be if jesus just, is not enough for you yeah oh you you need something more you than need jesus. drugs oh, yeah 
Real cool, okay. dude. Oh, but Jesus apparently thought someone needed mud and spit on his eyes. So can anybody spit on Joey? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Go get some dirt, spit on it. We're going to heal this in Africa. So, uh, so I have depression, a kidney stone, nausea, and you're asking people please to spit, spit on, on me. Please spit on Joey oh. if you see him. <laughs> All right. So. Oh, my gosh. Who did you just? You sounded just like, uh, um, no, the guy on Back to the Future. Uh, uh, McFly. You sounded just Mick? like McFly. You went. <laughs> <laughs> Your laugh is like George McFly. What's the next news story? We're moving on. Uh, I thought this was just interesting. Peeping Tom Rabbi. George Barry, McFly. He was, yeah. a te- he was a peeping Tom. Barry Frundale refuses to leave Georgetown Synagogue residence. And this comes from the Religion News Service. I thought that was kind of interesting. Mm-hmm. The Georgetown Rabbi charged with videotaping naked women as they use the synagogue's ritual bath is, re- is refusing... <laughs> is refusing to leave the rabbi's residence, according to an email sent from the synagogue to congregants Thursday. So they sent it out. They're like, listen, I know he was looking at you naked. The, he, he, his ass ain't moving. He's not leaving. The board of, of Kersher Israel, Israel, where Barry Frendel was a rabbi for 25 years, informed him in late November that his contract was terminated and that he had to leave the synagogue's r- rabbinic residence by January 1st. Unfortunately, that has not happened, wrote... Elinit Jacobovics, president of Kersher Israel's uh, board. She also wrote that she hoped that the matter would be resolved before it came to before the board of the rabbis, which I can't believe it wasn't already. What do you have to do? I mean, there's a process. I mean, if a guy's doing that, they, they wait for a long time to take it before a board. I thought that was really crazy. But uh, basically, overall, he pleaded not guilty, and his lawyer uh, wouldn't couldn't be contacted for a, a, a response. But he was viewing women naked, and now he's like, yeah, I'm not leaving. And, th- and they can't just kick him out. And I just, I just thought, man, we. I, I believe You're in traditions. Till I believe you're proven in stuff, guilty, my friend. I mean, what they found? I think they found the tapes. Due process, my friend. <sighs> so you. Th- it, that's our system: innocent till proven guilty, my friend. Joey, what do you think? I agree with you. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I, I think this is bad news for this guy. I mean, it just sucks that it's like, the, the, back to my point of you just, I mean, why do we, if somebody has a name pastor or rabbi or something, you immediately just go, yep, they're good. And and then we're all blown away that they're not. Now, in but all seriousness, we've talked about this a million times. We need to all start with... Man, we are fucked up. We are shitty. We're not that great of people. Let's start there. Okay, then I'm not surprised when you when you screw me over or you're an asshole or anything like that. Right. Then then I can go. Okay, I knew you were going to be this way. Now we can get through it. But I mean, when you when you do that, this guy probably got uh, secluded. Everybody thought he lifted him up. And they, they, it even said in the article a little bit later that they, everybody thought he was super smart and just really loved the way he, he preached and all and all this stuff. But I mean, it, then it's just this celebrity thing where oh, he can do no wrong. Oh yeah, he did a lot of wrong. Yeah, no. In in all seriousness, when some Somebody has or, or controls some amount of power, yeah. they they get the benefit of the doubt that is always to the detriment of the victim that they could theoretically be. And there's a mil- I mean, there's tons of times where there's people who allege stuff is not true. That is that is the case. But when somebody is in a position of power, they get the benefit of the doubt in the way that is is extremely detrimental and unfair to any possible victims. 
And I mean, yeah. I mean, I, I mean, you could say Bill Cosby for that. You can say yeah. uh, all the priests in the Catholic Church for that. You can say the the pastors of mega churches when allegations come against them, they get the benefit of the doubt because people know who they are, they know what's going on, and it is. I mean, since when do the people who are alleging crimes against them? Why, why are they the ones that are that are slandered? I mean, that's a problem. It's a power. It's just another problem when people hold too much power. And so what you're saying, which I agree with, is even the person that is in power, you have to you have to understand or believe that fundamentally they are flawed or depraved, just like every, like the people in this room and, and, and me. That just you have to I mean, it's not like you always immediately assume everybody's guilty. I don't you don't really do that. But at the same time you cannot allow somebody's previous actions or their power or who they are to further victimize or allow somebody else to be discounted. That, that's, not, that's just not, that's not a fair thing to do. And the church and the religious things get more of the benefit of the doubt than they should in tons of cases. We've seen that over and over again. I was just thinking though, like, is he not leaving because he didn't have a job now? So like, he's just like, <laughs> I'm going to try and live this out as long as I can, I guess for sure. I mean, this is a free, free like if you were a rabbi, and then you lose your job. I mean, what are you qualified to do after that? I know. That, 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 that's are you going to work thing. at Starbucks? Are you going to be a, a pork butcher? I mean, he's, what are you going to do? He's probably going to go into, like, the voyeur porn business or something like that. Seriously. <laughs> I mean, who knows what he's going to do. So, what, wow, what, a, what about a carpenter or something? Why would y'all think? He could work at a gas a station. Stick. Yeah, well, I mean, well, what, sk- what skills do you think these rabbis have? I mean, Maybe he's great with his hands. Yeah, I'm sure yeah, yeah, cool, Joey. <laughs> it's kind of uncomfortable to think that. He probably is really good with right, his hands. You guys really do All start right. with piece of shit first. Tip, yeah, we. I do. I actually really do. Do you have another story to nope. bail us out of this? No, nope, that's it. All right. Well, we don't have another story, so this podcast is going to end unbelievably depressing and sad. Unless, because we like to end the podcast with a joke. We love to do it that way, but if we don't have a joke, we don't have one. Toby doesn't have one. Joey doesn't have one, and I don't have one. So is there anybody here that has a joke? And let me tell you, even if it's not that good, what we're going to do is make everybody die laughing, and we'll fade out the episode right there. So even if you have a joke that's medium that anybody would like to make, we're all going to be a team here. We'll die laughing at it. Anybody want to give it a shot? Anybody have a joke? All right. We got all right. Hey, b- before, before she does that, can uh, I ask off the record? Uh, You're on the record. Okay. On the record. What what do you guys have as far as feedback is concerned for these uh, sorts of living room uh, live podcasts? <laughs> well, I mean, why don't you make a Google survey? This is not the time or place for that. <laughs> you you are high as a kite. You're yeah, half it, dead, and you want to find out. You yeah, take, please, please ignore anything he just said. Come you on, want up people here. to fill out a survey of what they thought. All right. What's your name? Joyce. All right. This is Joyce. Okay. All right, this is a, you got a good joke. It's a good joke. All right, let's hit it. What kind of overalls does Mario wear? What kind of overalls does Mario wear? Everybody, we don't know. What? Now, hang on. Everybody's ready to respond. I mean, you have to. We're, you guys are in on the show, so we're going to cut up. Even if this is a bomb punchline, we're going to all die laughing. Denim, denim, denim. Denim, denim. <laughs> <laughs> Thank, Thank you, guys, you, folks. And good night.